Hi, I'm Greg Yellen with Reynolds & Reynolds, and this is Connected. Today is an exciting day. I get to sit down in studio with Janelle Ross, dealer principal at Bob Ross Auto Group, actually local here in Dayton, Ohio. Janelle, thanks so much for uh, sitting down and chatting. Thank you. Very nice to see you, Greg. Yep, you as well. Um, so, Janelle, I wanted to start by talking a little bit about, uh, really, it's Women's History Month in March, and this this idea of a heritage of, of women and, and empowerment um, it's interesting to me because growing up and in, in, in today's world, I've been, I, th- I think anyway, surrounded by pretty strong women. Like my my grandparents, including my grandma, owned a business. My parents own a business and, and my mom runs that. And my wife owns a business. She owns a fitness studio. So this idea of entrepreneurship and women and strong women, um, I don't know. It's just part of normal life for me. But I'm curious for you, uh, maybe we could start with what what it means being in, you know, Women's History Month and, and reflecting on, um, I guess, the, the position that, that women that you're in. Um, and and I don't know why, why it's so important to reflect on sort of everything that's that's evolved over the course of time. Well, you know, kudos to your family for having a lot of women leaders and business owners um, a part of your family. And because that may not necessarily be the norm for a lot of people. So, you know, we would love for it to be <laughs> the norm um, and, and, and hence why there's Women's History Month to celebrate that, to educate people and let them know that more and more people, more and more women can be in positions of leadership, how, whatever that means. It could be from higher education. It can be from business ownership. It could be from a corporate executive. And so it is nice to see. I mean, I always feel like I'm learning something every day because there's so much out there in the in the with social media and different platforms that we can learn about someone. Um, So it's it's I do feel it's still very important. It's an honor and a privilege to be a woman business owner um, and more specifically a minority women women owned business. But it's. How can we continue to get more females involved in wanting to think about different things that they may don't, may not think that they are eligible um, or should go after in in terms of their careers? Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's valid. Again, it's just it, it's. I don't want to say a foreign idea to right. me. It's just not, it's not top of mind because and, I'm just. And I agree with you because my mother was always um, obviously involved with my, you know, with my dad in terms of the dealership, but had her own career right. prior to that, as well as others in my family. So for me, like you, it, it was second nature, but for some it's not. And you can see that and how that's reflective in the workspace. Sure. Um, and so there's still opportunity to uh, educate those that may not see it that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you? What have you seen be effective ways to do that? I mean, because I think exposure is a really exposure good way. Exposure is, right? is a, a big thing. But one thing that we do is even on a younger younger level in terms of middle school, high school, is to invite um, students in so that they can even learn about the inner workings of an automobile dealership. Yeah. And so that way, um, by me being a minority and woman-owned company, so that it, they can see someone that looks like them that they may not have realized can be an owner of an auto dealership. So those are the the fun things that we get to do of bringing and trying to expose those. And, and maybe they don't all want to go into autom- automotive retail, but at least having that opportunity to let them know, hey, if you're really interested in drawing, who knows, you could be the next design chief for one of the manufacturers in terms of you know a new model or is it designing the layouts of our facilities or what, you know, what have you. So just to really expose them and make them understand 
that whatever they may be interested in, it may not just be about selling cars. It could be someone who's a bean counter and really wants to be an accountant. They may never have to even be around a deal, you know, around a vehicle to to um, fulfill the job responsibilities of being an accountant for an auto dealership. So just really making them aware of what they see from our side of the house. Uh, and there's nothing obviously at all wrong with working for the manufacturer, but sometimes everyone knows what that's about. Right. Um, but not maybe as what it means to be on our side of the of the fence. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I think about it all the time as, as, and I have younger kids, so I, I think about it in the context of what's normal, right? right? What can you expose them to to make that normal to them where it, it's not this foreign idea that, that you can go – yeah, run a business. You can go do really whatever you want to do. Right. But if you've never seen it before, um, it makes it a lot harder to, to imagine it the does. possible. It does. And, you know, fortunately, I think some of the younger generations are a little more open mm-hmm. to um, – well, to be honest with you, I don't really see them – like we, like maybe even our, my generation, which I know is is a, is older than your generation, um, they don't see color. They don't see. They, there's a lot of things that are just gray to them. Yeah. And so, why not be a, a woman business owner, or why not be a dad that stays at home? Um, whereas for myself and maybe older generations, that that's not something that would be the norm. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's. Um... Good, good perspective for sure. Um, so if you don't mind, maybe we could also talk a little bit about um, your history, your path. So I'm always mm-hmm. fascinated. Uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, once you're in this industry, it, it's so hard to get out because it's too right. much fun. You just don't want to leave. Right. And one one way or another, we all just keep going. Um, right. And I, I grew up in a parts store. Right. And from the time I was 10 years old, um, I haven't really stopped doing something automotive. It's just, it's, it's a fun industry. And then you get into, it's very addicting, right. And you get into retail (laughs) and it's just, there's, there's something about it. So, um, I don't know, share, share a little bit, if you don't mind about kind of your path into, into retail. Obviously you mentioned your, your second generation, your, your mom and your dad, uh, ran the dealership before you. Yes. Um, so clearly that's, that's a big starting point, but, um, I don't know, share a little bit more if you don't mind. So my dad became a dealer in 1974, and actually I was um, four years old. And uh, his story is very his story is very unique. He was actually in the first minority dealer class that General Motors had in 1972, and was the first to graduate. So my parents are both from Richmond, Indiana, and my dad had been selling vehicles here in Dayton, Ohio, for Shannon Buick. Okay. And Mr. Shannon was the one who recommended him along with two other local businessmen for him to go into this program. But the ironic thing is that my dad had worked at the dealership in Richmond, um, which was called um, Vivian Buick at that time. And that is the dealership that he was that he purchased right after graduating from dealer school from the gentleman that he worked with when he was in high school. So those are that's a very unique opportunity one to have and to um, and, and from the dealer that had, you had worked for in high school. So we were there five years and then he had the opportunity to buy Davis Buick and Mercedes Benz, which is in Centerville, mm-hmm. two exits away from Reynolds and Reynolds headquarters. <laughs> um, so it's and we've been there for the last 44 years. So in in 2024, we will celebrate 50 years of being in business and unfortunately, my father passed in 1997 at a young age of 62, 
And that's when I was thrust into the day-to-day leadership role of running the operation with my mother becoming president. So I do feel extremely fortunate to have had the opportunity to work with both of them um, as the leaders of our company, and then to succeed my mom, unfortunately, when she passed in 2010 of breast cancer. Yeah, that's great. That's a lot to be... um, thrown on you as, and I don't mean this in any way, disrespectful oh, no, as, I a, was, as a kid, yeah, right? right. Like, I, I was mean, 27. I was working at the dealership full time, but also working on my MBA at Wright State University. And naturally that ceased uh, <laughs> so that I could, you know, make sure I was giving all efforts to, um, you know, continuing what my, my father had started after the, at that point would have been 23 years. So, you know, we fortunately had a really good seasoned management and team, as well as a lot of key personnel and the longevity and seniority of our team really, really helped us out during, you know, especially the initial uh 12 to 18, 24 months, Mm -hmm. um, because I also went to dealer school through the NADA Academy during that time. So there was a lot to try to juggle the balls in the air of going through the academy, as well as making sure that we weren't missing anything in regards to the day to day uh, and making sure that we continue to be a viable organization for our our employees and our team members. Right. So is it it fair, excuse me, is it fair to assume that you were uh, younger, probably substantially than a lot of the people that were reporting to you? Yes. So a lot of our managers at the time, some had been in the business longer than I had been born. um, (laughs) And some of them had been with us as long as um, I had been born. So, you know, the fortunate thing for me is I had been able to work on a serious capacity after graduating college uh, with my dad and the team. So I do feel that I, you know, had taken the time to earn their respect. Mm -hmm. So it it created not as much of a... um, an obstacle in terms of, you know, that transition. So I, I really needed to rely on them, their skill sets, their knowledge, and why he had them in the positions that they had. There was no, I mean, no pun intended, no need for me to reinvent the wheel sure. because he had built a very successful operation with a successful team. And something that he always said is you got to surround yourself around those people that have the skill set, the mindset, and the vision and mission to carry out what you have in place because you can't do it by yourself. No, it's a great perspective. Um, I, I would, I don't know, I, I feel like at 27, though, that's that's a tough one to really, truly internalize and know. It, and there, there can be a lot of, um, I mean, maybe even arrogance. That might be too much of an aggressive word, but I think of a lot of people who are um, younger, right? Yes. Maybe don't have the experience and, and you almost want to prove your worth, right? As the, the young up and coming leader. Um, it's hard to hold that back sometimes. I don't know. You know, it was, I'm always of the adage of, it, I guess I kind of sit sometimes just sit back and take things in because one, I knew I needed to learn a lot Two, I know I could learn a lot from them as well as the Academy, other dealer friends of the family, Um, And I mean, there's a lot of resources and ways of going about gaining knowledge as long as you're receptive to it. And my mother's background was education. So that just kind of seemed the right course of action for me specifically. And, you know, it's it's been 20, almost 26 years later. I can still walk into a dealer meeting and get questioned you know, um, or asked, you know, do you know where the restrooms are? Do you know what time the meeting's supposed to start? And I'm thinking, I'm in this room just like you. 
I may not look like you, um, but I, I am a, right. an automobile dealer just like you. So it's it's I don't let that bother me because it to me that's um, someone being closed minded um, that. I don't have to look like them to do what they do. Yeah. And it's been very interesting when other dealer friends of mine have to speak up on my behalf, hmm. um, you know, for that for that very reason. So I understand that our industry has a long way to go in terms of the diversification of women and minorities. But at the same time, um, there are a lot of people that do need to recognize that people don't have to look like them to be in the same room. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's um, you know, great, great perspective for sure. Um I don't know. It's it's such a fun industry, and um, oh, it is, it and, is, and, and you, it, can, you know you have to have fun with it. I mean, it's not something that I let uh, bother me. It is very interesting, though, if I have um, my husband with me, that they may talk to him because they just assume that he's in the automobile <laughs> business, and of course, he's a man who loves cars, so he can have an an educated conversation. But you know, if you get to a point and you're saying, oh you know, where are you from? And you're like, oh, from Dayton. Like, oh, I know Greg from Dayton. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know Greg. (laughs) And, you know, they're kind of, you know, they're having this banter back and forth and I can always tell. And it's kind of like, can you come over here? Cause I'm going down a path that I don't know the answers to. Yeah, the water's rising a little bit. The water's rising. And then, you know, the person he's speaking to is like, well, then how are you here? And he's like, well, I'm here because of her. And they're like, well, what can she possibly do? And he was like, well, she's the one that owns the dealership. So, you know, so you got to have fun with it sometimes yeah. and just, you know, let it roll off your back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's shifting gears a little bit. I, I'm interested and want to talk uh, about a lot of the philanthropic efforts. I always struggle to say that word. <laughs> that, it's a tongue twister. That uh, you, you put forth that you're very present in the community. Um, you have a foundation, the Norma J. Ross Foundation. Um, love for you to talk a little bit about that. And then also very interested in um, how you create time to <laughs> dedicate to that. I, really, because it's it's something that I think most people are interested in, right? right. There, there are certain things that we're all passionate about, um, and you can share as much of your story as you want. But um, it comes down to somebody's got to make all this stuff happen, right? right? So how do you create time for it? I'm, I'm curious about that as well. So the giving back really stems from my grandparents on both sides, uh, for both of my parents. And that was really instilled in them. And it's just was something that was instilled in, um, in, my, in my brother and myself as well. So being engaged and involved is... I mean, never been without question. It's just, it's another part of your day that you schedule your day. I mean, when we were growing up, we were involved in service organizations that allowed you to learn about other causes and things in the community. Um, And it it definitely puts it in perspective and letting you know where some are not as fortunate as, you know, that we may have been. Um, And really, that's where you find out where something that you may like or, or develop a passion uh, about and as you continue to grow, matriculate, and go off to college, and I think that kind of guides us to those involvements that we do when we're, you know, out of, out from under our parents um, when we go away to school, and or even if you do stay around um, and and go to school locally, of just those other organizations that causes may find you some joy to be involved in, and so yes, from a dealership perspective, we've always been extremely involved and engaged and also for, for me personally. And it, it's been nice to, you know, maybe I can't always be involved or on a board. Um, but when I, when I have employees that want to learn 
and, and gain that exposure and experience of what it's like to be on a board, or maybe it's something that they're passionate about. So we kind of tag team on those things that they may be the one attending the meetings, but obviously if it's something that makes sense, we're still going to support sure. that effort in the community. Um, so they're kind of getting both, you know, they're getting someone that's learning and, and being engaged uh, with their cause as well as possibly from the support from either in-kind or um, sponsorship or donation that we support from the company perspective. So, you know, over time that has just kind of grown, um, you know, my dad, my parents had different interests, which kind of covered more of the community. So naturally two huge losses when, you know, they were no longer involved. So it's been hard on some regards to try to fill some of that, um, you know, to do, but it has been nice that I have those on my team that are interested and in, in taking leadership roles. Some have been involved in um, not just being on a board, but leading that board. So that is taking their, you know, maybe their downtime or their own time, family right. time. Um, but they are seeking some value and feeling that they're giving back and, and really learning and gaining more perspective about our community. That's great. That's great. So um, what about for you? I mean, you have a, you have a big job. Right. Yes. A lot of responsibility. Um, how how do you stay disciplined enough to to carve out that time to because I think we've all been there where, you know, you have you have things that you have to do. Right. right? Like the business needs you to do this, this set of five things. Correct. Um, and you have these things that you really, really want to do. Um, but it's not going to fall apart if you, you don't get it done today, but if you don't get it done today, then it's, <laughs> there's then it's always something done, there. Right? So, <laughs> right. So, so how do you, I guess, structure your day or, or what do you do to, to stay disciplined to the point where you can, you can find time for all this, I'll well, call it extra stuff. But. Yeah. Well, that's where calendars help. <laughs> um, as we've continued to add more technology into our, our lives. Um, I, I still use some, I was in my office this morning and they're like, wow, you still use a desk calendar. <laughs> and I said, I do, but here's my to-do list for today. And here's my calendar in, in my computer, which is obviously on my phone. So it's just really time management, which sometimes um, you're good with, and sometimes mm -hmm. you're not so good with, and you get a little behind and you feel that you need a few more hours in the day or days in the week. And it is about prioritization. You know, you're right. Yes, there are things that I must do on a daily basis, weekly, monthly for to ensure the, the vitality of our business. Um, but there's also those things that I do enjoy being involved in that are service organizations, as well as um, I, I am on a few boards myself and what that means to be involved with them because they need you to be present and, and making sure that you're giving them good advice on what they need to do to further their organizations along as well. Uh, but yes, the, the most important thing to me is the foundation that we started on behalf of my mother, the Norma J. Ross Memorial Foundation, and in regards to her loss with breast cancer. And then obviously uh, the other side of it is really focused on um, educating youth in our community. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit. Maybe you could share some of the um, uh, fundraising opportunities that you put forward to the community for that foundation. We actually, with Reynolds, our associate foundation this week, um, we have our annual associate cup hockey game. So we have. Oh, you do. OK. Yeah, yep. So sales versus service hockey. Yep. Right. And we yep. play um, at the Kettering Rack over mm -hmm. here. 
And Just hopefully no injuries. That's right. And we, but we, <laughs> we raise money and we, it goes to the uh, Kettering Rec uh, department and right. it helps kind of um, underserved youth participate right. in youth sports, which, you know, youth sports is a, a, a huge, it's huge. Yeah. Just being able to participate and, and be around others is so fun. Um, so it's, it's something that we've done. I think this is the 10th year actually. Okay. And uh, it's, I knew it's, it had been around for a while. Yeah. So it's a really, <laughs> really fun way for us to, to get together and, and celebrate and raise a little money. Um, so if you could share a few of the things that maybe you guys do for your foundation as well. So on the breast health side, we um, have really taken an approach about focusing on the preventative. And there, unfortunately, there is a lot of, there are a few organizations that are here locally, but unfortunately there's enough for all of us to really be involved in making sure that we're providing a better journey for those um, that are hopefully to war, you know, hopefully not receiving a breast cancer diagnosis, but even if they have, how are we able to assist them down their journey. So we have really, we partnered with both hospital groups. We work with both of them in really setting up monthly mammograms so that we can help those that are underinsured and those that are insured or maybe just um, that don't have any insurance, that they can make sure that they're getting their screening because we all know that it starts with that preventative measure. And if someone's not getting that every year, then that's going to could potentially increase them for a for a potential diagnosis or more of an advanced diagnosis which you definitely we would definitely want to not have happen. So working with a lot of different organizations in the community um, so that we can offer or assist those that aren't in a position to maybe make sure that they can take care of that on their own. We utilize Premier from the mobile their mobile mammography unit, which mm-hmm. helps us to move that around in different locations all across the the, the count, I mean, really the Miami Valley region, yeah. as well as working with the Kettering Health Network at Grand at Kettering of Dayton and trying to make sure that we're in a closer proximity to possibly where those that aren't in a in a better position to help themselves um, to garner that preventative measure. The other things that we've done or continuing to do, and we really did this um, monthly during the pandemic, so for almost three years, is we the In This Together campaign. So we provided supplies and meals to um, all of the breast and oncology centers within the two hospital groups monthly because we knew that um, even though a lot of supplies were coming in, they were for the COVID units, but there were still those individuals that were still going through treatment, healthcare workers that needed supplies, um, and just to have a downtime with a meal. And so those were two big things that we really were able to continue during COVID, even though, you know, there was hesitation on people wanting to go into hospitals or into any facility to have something done. So we provided them at, at off times in terms of being in the hospital like on a Saturday when it's less traffic, mm-hmm. as well as the mobile unit provides for, yeah, obviously less people. There's really only like two people on there in addition to the patient. So those are two things that we've continued to do, as well as we've started what we call comfortable conversations of bringing in oncologists, um, breast surgeons, other healthcare professionals to help answer questions to women and men um, who are maybe just interested in learning more about ways to educate themselves in their breast health 
or maybe they have been diagnosed, or maybe they're a survivor and wanting to make sure they're still into doing all the right things to help for there not to be a reoccurrence, right. um, or is it a male um, coming in on how he can help facilitate his spouse or a family member? So those have been very valuable, and we have those. Um, we have several of those slated coming up this year um, to help as well. And now hopefully that we've, not that the pandemic is behind us, but now that we're in a, a little better spot, um, you know, our, our goal is to really help those that may not have transportation mm-hmm. to help get them to their preventative screening. So yes, the foundation is called the Norma J. Ross Memorial Foundation, but our, our logo is pink ribbon driven. Um, obviously, being in the in the automobile business, we're driven to find a cure, and that's one of the ways that we want to use the transportation piece of or portion of my day job yep. on how we can assist with getting more and more people screened for their mammograms. I love it. Well, thanks for uh, all you're doing in that space. It is it's a lot, and you're making an impact. And yes. um, appreciate you taking time. Very out bittersweet, of your... but feel good about what we're doing. Right. No, that's great. <clears throat> um, well, Janelle, maybe shifting gears a little bit, um, while I have you, I'd love to talk a little bit uh, about your perspective on the business and the industry and kind of what, we, what we're going through right now. It's, it's always, always change, right? No matter yes. at, at any point in time, um, we can- we Never can... change quite like this, but <laughs> it, it's changing. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot going on out there. So you have um, two stores, three franchises, right? Mm-hmm. You have GMC store, uh, Mercedes-Benz store. So certainly different, uh, different stores, different models, um, different manufacturers. <clears throat> so you have a, a unique perspective in that you're, you're not necessarily siloed in, in one manufacturer. Correct. Um, so interested in your perspective on uh, kind of what you see coming down the road, maybe especially one of the things that intrigues me with the franchises you have is uh, electric vehicles mm-hmm. and the progression that you've seen or, or where you see things heading and, and how quickly um, I think each manufacturer is certainly going to be at a different pace, right? Yes. And they'll have a different strategy, whether they're going all EV or whether they're um, going to kind of stair step into it. Uh, but everybody's heading that way, which is ex- exciting, but it can also mean, you know, big investments on your part in the store. Very much so. Um, it can mean education for consumers. There's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. So I, I don't know where you want to start maybe, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious on your perspective on on how you see this shaking out in the, the shorter term, you know, next 12 months or so, or maybe longer term, and what it means for you and how you're handling it. So at this point, we are um, we are functioning and operating uh, for Mercedes-Benz. So we have been compli- EV compliant since, uh, I think, the fall of 21, okay. actually. So, and that building is really only a, about a 30-year-old building. So it's not as... It wasn't as much that we had to do, but still there was a very sizable investment Mm -hmm. to making sure that the infrastructure could support what's coming down the pike. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not so much on the GM side. It's it's more of a 52-year-old building, a much larger facility, which is going to require a lot more infrastructure to bring it to where we need to be full term, Mm -hmm. but we are ready for when we do receive our first Hummer that we can function and make sure that we're providing what is needed to our consumer as well as internally um, from taking care of 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 our customers. I will say that, you know, I don't feel that there's ever been a time of um, 
the extent of the change that we're going through and how quickly things are happening. I mean, definitely the digital revolution has created um, a much different environment, Mm -hmm. but the whole landscape of EVs of what this is going to mean for, you know, not just our industry, but just as for our world is, is, is very interesting and exciting to be a part of, but a little, a little bit scary too, because you're, you're going down a path that hasn't, that we haven't had before. Mm -hmm. And it is your, to your point, it is about educating us so that we can inform and educate our, our customer and our client. So there's a lot to learn on our part. I think that's the exciting part for those that have been in our industry a long time of giving them something new um, to learn about. But then it's also bringing in the younger generation. And I think having to bring along some of the more seasoned generation to be more a little more accepting um, of what EVs can mean for us and yeah. in our future. Yeah. So you mentioned kind of digitization and going down that digital path. Um, I'm, I'm curious if there are things that because everything's changing right, right? in one right. way, shape or form. Um, but at the end of the day, you're in business because you add value to the consumer. You add value to the manufacturer. Um, you add value to the lender. You're the you're the linchpin for a lot of pieces in this puzzle. Um, so, are there certain areas that you're really doubling down on and focusing on um, where you believe that you'll, you you add substantial value and will continue for the long run? You know, when you think of and I and I ask that and I'm trying to frame it up in, in a way that makes sense, I suppose. But you look at GM's a good example. Um, you know, they're they're toying with different ways to. Um, kind of help structure the sales Correct. process, especially mm-hmm. in the EV world. Right. Um, and it, that, that's fine, right? right? But where, where does, does the dealer where does the dealer in? add the value, the most value? Right. Like where are you doubling down to provide the most? Well, value? and I think that's one thing that you know during COVID or during the pandemic, you know, d- all the states had different laws, right? So mm-hmm. Ohio, we were deemed essential to be open. Every day. Yeah. I mean, so our our world changed in terms of we may not have been open to the degree of what our normal hours are. And, you know, we were shifting personnel and, and making sure we were keeping them safe and and our customers safe. Right. Uh, but, you know, so when I talked to friends of mine that were in states where they were completely shut down and they had to, you know, completely shift to online and, and 100 percent digital platform. Um, you know, they're, they're still functioning. I, I don't know if I would say they're ahead of where we are, but they're just functioning differently on, mm-hmm. on where we are because even though our, our internet and our digital activity kept picked up drastically, sure. we were the outlet along with growing to the grocery store and to Lowe's or Home Depot. We were the outlet. So it was the family outing to come and look for a vehicle. Yeah. And, and you have beautiful cars too, so well, that right. <laughs> thank you. And so, but it was something of a learning experience for us because we actually—I mean, I had to literally put signs on the doors like to limit, like you know, two per household. Um, you can't bring grandparents and in-laws and kids and dogs because <laughs> uh, we're trying to keep everyone safe here. So the one thing that I've you know noticed is through all of that, yes, even more so now, our customer, our client is really coming in. Um, with the information, you know, it's they're not shopping as much as they used to because they've done a lot of that online, but they still do want to feel, touch, and drive that vehicle. So that aspect of 
of who and what we are still provides them that opportunity. And that's where we have to make sure that we're providing them the best possible customer experience, because if they're only going to physically go into one dealership, Mm -hmm. then we have to make sure that when they do decide to come in, even without an appointment or going through the internet to make that appointment or a call, that we're ready for them. And, and that's where I still feel that the dealer, the dealer body can, and our teams can provide that experience and give them that human touch that you can't get through the internet. Now, I'm not dispelling that the internet and the digitization is not important. Sure. Uh, I do feel that it's helped to streamline. I do feel that more and more people are comfortable with going that route of looking for their vehicles using YouTube, using Google, using our websites, using third party, using all of those to really garner, you know, and garner and really narrowing down their selection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still feel that we add that extra value um, that is very important when someone is spending twenty thousand dollars to one hundred and twenty or two hundred twenty thousand dollars on yeah. a vehicle. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. And there, there's another layer to it, I think, that also is important where um, you think about the other pieces to that transaction. Right. And as, as a dealership, you're acting and, and adding value, but you're acting as a, a, almost a broker, right, connecting the, the consumer with the lender. Right there. In a lot of cases, mm-hmm. the consumer doesn't know how to or doesn't have the time to line up their own financing. Well, right? and, there, and there's aspects of the, the process that need to get, you know, need to become shortened. And so Mm -hmm. that's where there are those out there that are helping with the lender part of that, of the transaction. So not, I think that will definitely continue to help just the entire process. But I still feel that there's a very important part of that customer engagement and interaction that still plays into our role into as a dealer, not, I mean, the lender, yes, or either the third party working with the consumer direct through the lenders, um, I know that there's a lot of um, newer players in the market that are really trying to help continue to streamline. I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. But it's just that customer-facing piece that you can't receive through a well, square yeah. box. Well, it's, it's a relationship, but it's it also, is a relationship. It's also what, the education, too, right? right? So right. you mentioned... Um, uh, earlier on, you were talking about, you know, kind of that education background with your with your grandparents, I think you said. And um, I, I really believe, too, that, that that trust and that relationship is built through education. When you're working with a customer, um, there's a lot of things they just don't know. Right. right. That, that you can help them with and right. you can do it with a smile and, and then they trust you and, and they feel comfortable with you and, and you have that great relationship with them. So That is true. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's uh, it's a fun <laughs> world out there. Um so what else? What's what's kind of uh, top of mind for you as far as things that you're dealing with in the business, uh, things that you're excited about, things that you feel fearful for on the flip side? I don't know. Anything else that's top of mind for you? You know, it's 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 exciting to see. I mean, one, that we have some vehicles on the ground again. Yeah. Um, naturally don't want to go back to pre pre-pandemic levels in terms of inventory. And I do feel that um, all the manufacturers have realized that we can look at, um, you know, our, our our allocation models a little differently. So, and that's, that's good that, you know, it's nice to see some pavement, but it's also been nice not to see some pavement (laughs) and, and look like we're in the car business. You know, I was kind of tired of getting the, how are you guys functioning? And you only have like two cars on the lot. And I'm like, "I, I know, I know it's, so it was a very different time for all of us, but it also lets, 
you know, us know that auto dealers are resilient. The automobile man, you know, industry is resilient and we, you know, we were able to thrive and survive during a very unfortunate time. And, and we have learned a lot. So we've learned that we don't necessarily have to have five and six of the same vehicle right. on the lot. But yes, do we need to have enough so that someone can understand the differences and what may is more, what may be more applicable to them and their needs? Um, and I think people have gotten a little more comfortable with understanding the ordering process yeah. and seeing that they can get exactly what they want um, if they're in a position to wait a little longer. And um, but the things that do concern me is, you know, naturally not wanting to go into another recession, um, interest rates rising, which obviously gets into inflation and just making sure that we can still continue to be a viable entity as we move forward. I mean, we have put significant amount of investment into our facilities as well as people mm -hmm. um, and training that we continue to do. And I would really say the, the biggest concern right now is just the workforce of making sure that we have the right people in the right positions and to find the right people <laughs> in the right positions to make sure that we're able to take care of our clients the best way we know how. That's great. That's great. Um, do you have any any tips on finding those right people? I feel like that's one of the hardest things, especially hardest in this business. Thing. It, and you know what? It's not even our business. I, I've talked with so many people at just across the board in a, in a, and from many industries and everyone's just having the same issues. And I, I just, I do feel that people have reevaluated some things um, during the pandemic, depending on their own health issues or family health or loss that they occur, that they experienced during this time. Um, so I do think it's made us continue to be more flexible and mindful of who we have on our teams and maybe what they have going on in their lives to be yeah. a little more adaptive to uh, what's important to them and and seeing that we can be more flexible with our schedules than what was normal and accustomed to being in our industry, especially on the retail side. Uh, so those are things that I think that uh, have allowed us, you know, the flexibility of using Zoom and some other platforms as well as just time yeah. of giving um, our members some time back, you know, for them to have their lives. Sure. So, uh, me included. So. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, all right. What, what's your favorite part about what you do every day? What's your favorite part about the auto industry? I guess. I love to see the excitement on someone's face when they take, when they're getting ready to, to leave in their new vehicle. And it may sound cliche, but that is the fun part. I have people that call me and they say, I would really like to come in and look for a vehicle, but just tell me who I need to speak to. And I'm like, but no, that's the, you know, that, that's the fun part of what we get to do. And, you know, regardless if it's a repeat customer who's coming in for the seventh, eighth time or that person that's coming in, you know, for their first new car, regardless of where it is, you know, on our in our organization, it's just you don't know what that does for someone in terms of is, is it a need right. and it's their first opportunity where we able to take care of them or get them, you know, get them financing that they never thought that they would be in a position right. to walk out of today. I mean, this just happened on Friday with someone that I know. And they, I mean, they've just been texting me daily like you have no idea how this has made me feel. So, I mean, th those are the the blessings that we get because it's still, you know, the, it could be the second most 
expensive, you know, thing that they have next to their house. Sure. So, you know, you, just, you can't take that lightly. And naturally, prices and values have drastically increased at an all-time high during these last three years. So they are making an investment, and they are making an investment through us. And so it's nice to see that excitement. And I have a family member who's coming in from out of town to take delivery, and they were supposed to get snow in Michigan last week. So they're like, oh, no. I have to wait until it's a clear day to come. And I'm like, we can really ship that car to you. They're like, well, no, that's the fun part. I want to come in and take delivery. So, you know, everyone's on, you know, different levels. Some are just like, ship me the car. Great. Someone's like, just deliver it to my office. It's fine. You know, that they, but then they still get excited at some point. Right. Um, you know, if they come back and realize they need to go back through school a little more because the technology's changed <laughs> uh, when they think that they know. And they're like, yeah, you were right. I need to come back and go through school. And I'm like, yeah, it is school. So, um, but that that is the fun part for me of, of seeing um, the satisfaction um, on their faces and their families, and, yeah. which I appreciate them giving us that opportunity. No, that's great. That's great. Well, I could I could talk to you forever. I think I appreciate you uh, sitting you. down and chatting, though. Um, want to be respectful of your time. Anything else uh, that you want to touch on? Anything we haven't talked about that we should or? No, I'm excited to approach 50 years next year, and not sure what we're going to do, but um, I'm sure the Reynolds team will know what that's all about. Yeah, you so keep us posted. We'll be we there will. with you. Thank you. All right, thanks, Janelle. Thank you. Well, wow, what a great conversation with Janelle Ross, dealer principal at Bob Ross Auto Group here in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, definitely appreciate her time and everything she does for our community. I um, hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Before we hop off, don't forget you can watch or listen to episodes of Connected on YouTube, Apple, or Spotify podcasts. And make sure to hit subscribe so you're notified every other week when new episodes are released. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in two weeks.